All right, everybody. I've been Dean Holtzapple. I'm still George Rogers, and we'll see you in the horrorverse. That was to make for the fact that I prematurely cut us off last week. <laughs> so welcome back to the Multiverse Movie Podcast, everybody. Welcome back to part two of the 666 Weeks of Horror. I'm your host, Dean Holtzapple, as I just said, and that's my co-host, George Rogers. And we are here to do a, I think, one of the most underrated horror movies of all time. I I've always loved this movie. It's been a while since I saw it. It was good to finally sit down and rewatch it. And it's it's a hard movie to actually watch because it's not streaming typically. And it just happens to be up on YouTube for free, like part of their like movies and stuff like that. So uh, we're doing John Carpenter's Into the Mouth of Madness. Um, I think this is such a fantastic movie. And we've been wanting to do this the past couple of years. And the reason we haven't was because it hasn't been streaming on anything. So... Uh, we got, we just got luck, and I, I, it's a movie I should own. I'm, I've been slacking on building my, you know, deep my Blu-ray 4K collection for about a year now. So I'm gonna get back to that. But uh, I love this movie, George. Absolutely. Um, this, I mean, honestly, this was the probably maybe the second time I've actually watched it all the way through, mm-hmm. just because, as you said, it's such a hard movie to find. It's never on TV, like never on TV. So I think I just happened to catch it one day just by chance it was on. And I was like, mm-hmm. this, and I, and I really liked it. I'm like, this, it, it was at a time when there was um, a lot of, this came out around, was this uh, probably right after, because it says release date was 1995, probably right after Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was kind of, a, which was a meta film in of itself. And this is mm-hmm. extremely meta for the time, but yeah. both movies Way ahead of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely agree. Uh, excuse me, just one second, everybody. I need to cough. Uh, Dean's gonna cough, but he can't find the cough button. I can't find a mute button. Oh, all right. This this fucking guy. There it is. I'm I am trying. You know, I've I've had a little bit of kind of a the a slight head cold today. A head chill today. So um, uh, but hey, let's let's get into it. I have it pulled up here. Uh. George, before I start that, when was the first time you saw this movie? Honestly, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you. I really don't remember. I was, I can't remember if I was still a teenager or mm. if I was older. I, I really yeah. don't know. It was sometime, it, I wouldn't say sometime in between, like, we'll say like 2002 and like 2008. Mm. I can't there. remember it either. Um, I was, I was younger, not like a kid. But I was definitely like middle school, which would have been like 99 to 2001 for me, um, kind of 98 to 2001 around there. I saw it on TV and I remember like the quality was so terrible. Um, and I ever the only thing that has ever truly stuck out for this movie for me, even though I, I like this movie a lot, I really do. Is the fucking scene where Jurgen Prochnow as Sutter Kane makes his first appearance in the movie and like the wind is bellowing and his hair is just flowing in it? That always sticks in my brain. That's like the greatest entrance in horror movie history. <laughs> he had like the, he he had like that 1985 John Deacon hair. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, but let's let's read some some t- t- statistical stuff. Into the Mouth of Madness, uh released. Uh, February 3rd, 1995, um, on a budget of $8 million. Looks incredible for $8 million, by the way. Uh, box office. I, I, this blows my mind how this movie only made 
$8.9 million. It just, it's insane. Um, directed by the legendary John Carpenter. We're slowly making our way through his filmography. Um, written by Michael DeLuca, who anybody's ever paid attention to the drama with DC and all that crap. He is now the co-head of Warner Brothers Pictures hmm. um, with Pam Abdi. Um, he was one of the guys who actually wanted to bring uh, one last go around with the original Justice League actors until Zaslav of Random and hired James Gunn. Um, music by, well, it's John Carpenter. So it's, it's either going to be him or Alan Haldworth at, or a combination, but it's John Carpenter and Jim Lang this time, actually. Distributed by the great New Line Cinema. I believe this is the second New Line Cinema movie we've done in a row because I believe... Uh, um, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, was also distributed by New Line Cinema. Uh, produced by Sandy King. Uh, and our cast. Not very big, but it's pretty well known. Uh, starring the great Sam Neill, Julie Carmen, the great Jurgen Prochnow, the great David Warner, the great John Glover, the great Bernie Casey, Peter Jason, and the great Charlton Heston. Um, like the also, like, like how did they get Charlton Heston for this? <laughs> that's uh, that's like that's the most shocking thing about it. Like I can understand you know you get you getting Sam Neill who's hot off of Jurassic Park and mm-hmm, you're getting mm-hmm. Jurgen Proc now who's you know, and and you know, but like you got Charlton Heston like, and Wilhelm got, von Hamburg. Yeah, I mean you got fucking Vigo the Carpathian. It's and Hayden Christensen, everybody. I had no idea Hayden Christensen made a cameo in this movie. I think that's awesome. It's great because he shows up. He, he talks about really just how much he hates sand. Yeah. It's so like, cool. hey, is this the way to Hobbs end? And he's like, I don't like sand. It's like, that's not, it was not what was asked. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, George, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's, as I lead said, us, this is. Lead us. Yeah, I mean, as I said, this. This movie is meta before it was really a thing. I mean, you know, this comes out maybe a couple, I'm going to say maybe a few months after what Wes Craven's New Nightmare did, but 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 the actual release of this was in 1994 in Italy. It had an yes. Italian release before before mm-hmm. it went wide. Um, but it's really just, and, and you can make the claim, there are some people that say, oh, you know, Sutter Kane is, is essentially like, is, is like Stephen King, but it, as you watch the movie and as things go on, he's he's more H.P. Lovecraft than he is Stephen King. Yeah, maybe with the overpopularity, you could kind of do the Stephen King comparison. But they even make that in the movie. They even they they made that comparison in the movie. They're like, you know, he, you know, he outsells, you know, he, you know, he outsells all of Stephen King, mm-hmm. you know, w- with each book that comes out. And it's and I really just. Th- th- I really have just a very important question for you, Dean. Hmm. Um, before we, b- b- before I get really deep into this, hmm. and it does relate to the movie, and it's, um, do you read Sutter Kane? No, I'm good. Oh. Do you want to read Sutter Kane? No, I'm good. Because no, apparently, when you read these books, you get driven insane. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to I forgot to mention uh, Francis Bay, as well. Yes, she uh, was the old woman who runs yes. the. Uh, I mean, she's been in so much stuff. I mean, you know. Greg, I've had a little, a little yawn there, but the movie it really just kind of opens up, and Samuel has already lost his mind. 
Uh-huh. To the point that, like, I forgot when I watched this. So I'm sorry, I'm like, oh, did I, you know, am, am I halfway through this movie already? And then I'm looking, I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I am in the beginning. And he's he's losing my way, and we don't know why, but then you realize that this entire movie is just him recounting the events of what he's already gone through, which in theory, everything that he's gone through is everything that's already been written by Sutter Kane. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a character in this book. But he does not believe he's a character in this book. Everybody else believes that they are characters in this book. As as the movie progresses, they essentially accept their fate. The only people that really aren't who aren't characters in the book are um, David Warner and John Glover. The, mm-hmm. the, the, their characters. It's weird. They're they're in an asylum. That's that's almost it's almost fitting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doctors in the asylum. But it's it's like ah the, these guys there they are together again. Although I don't think Rachel Gould and the Riddler shared any scenes together in BTOS. In fact, I'm almost positive they did because I think Riddler was only in like three episodes. Yeah, probably not. And none of them had Rachel Gould in them. So the, the the point of the whole movie is the fact that John Trent, who's who's Sam Neill, is an insurance investigator, and he's out to find Sutter Kane because he's disappeared while writing his latest book. And obviously his, um, his publishing company is concerned because he is their largest client. And if they lose him, they basically lose like all of their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so if he's, so, so they will know if he's dead or, 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 or what's going on. And obviously as an insurance investigator, John tries to go make sure that this isn't a hoax because that's how the money is doled out. If anyone who's mm-hmm. ever dealt with insurance companies, they fine tooth comb everything to make sure you're not trying to get one over on the system and get money for free. Because yeah, why would we not want to give anybody any money? It's it's funny. It's just like how it is today, for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, as the movie kind of goes on, you see these things kind of happening, <clears throat> and you, you assume that John Trent is just reading the books and he's and he's just seeing things that are happening in the book, not realizing. Mm-hmm. That this is all shit that's been pre-written. Yeah. You know, there's like little clues are left out. You know, when you take all the covers off the Sutter Kane books and you follow and you and you cut out like the red outline, it it, it puts together a shape of new of New Hampshire. Yeah. I'm surprised it didn't make the shape of Maine. Yeah. I've been like, all right, that's maybe, maybe that's a little on the nose. A little on the nose. But, yeah. But you know, there's this whole town that, you know, leads to this town and <clears throat> in New Hampshire that nobody has ever heard of. Nobody's heard of this fucking town. But as uh, as John Trent and the and and Kane's editor Linda Stiles are, you know, they're, they're driving to this town to make sure you know everything's on the up and up. You know, there's like little things happen on the road. And they they pass the same bicyclist a couple times. At one point, he's young, and again, and when they pass him again five minutes later, he's like eighty years older. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I can't leave. He won't let me leave. And then as she's driving along, all of a sudden, the, you know, the, like the road goes black and it looks like they're up in the air. And then all of a sudden you're through a a, a covered bridge and you're in this town like Hobbs End. And John Trump was asleep during this whole thing. And he's yeah. like, oh, hey, good job. You found the town. And nobody knows what's really going on in this town because you don't see any people. You know, she sees like some kids chasing a dog and you know, he doesn't and, and John Trent doesn't see him. And it, it, a lot of it's kind of confusing. You're you really trying to figure out what's going on. Typical John Carpenter movie. It's all mood and atmosphere. Yep. That's it. it, it it's a staple and it works. Mm-hmm. in just about every movie he does. It's all about the mood and the atmosphere. 
and this is the third in, the, in, in his Apocalypse trilogy. None of the yeah. movies are connected, but all three movies basically reference the end of the world. I'm talking about The Thing, uh, Prince of Darkness, which we reviewed, what, last year we did Prince of Darkness? Yes, yeah, so we, we and, did The Thing the year yeah. before. Or we did the thing the first no, year. I can't no, remember which one. Yeah, we did the thing first year. We didn't do. Uh, uh, we didn't do one of, not the, or I think we might have done Christine, the second year, but we did. Uh, but 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 we did Prince Darkness last year, and we're doing this this year. So it's basically mm-hmm. just it's all alluding to the end of the world. Yeah, and you know, they end up at this church. That I mean, it's it's all stuff that <clears> you know <throat> they're in this they're, they're in this inn, and. You know, John Trent is trying to play essentially devil's advocate for this whole thing, where it's oh, you know, you're wrong. It's not like the place in the book. Look, you look at this window, like it's supposed to be a church, it's not a church. And then Silas is like, no, you're not looking at the east end of the window. It's over here. And then like, there's the church. <clears throat> so of course they drive to this church, and then that's when they finally see like townspeople who are storming the church. They're looking for Sutter Kane. They're like, you know, you release this, you know, take it back now. You know, it's ruining everything. It starts in. It's we don't know what it is virus it's it's, it's covid <laughs> yeah it's, it's 1994 covid yeah. and you know for, first it affects the kids before they get spread onto uh adults and then from there you know, as, as things go and you know you see you know these dobermans come out of the church and they just attack the townspeople you know Kill them, maim them, whatever you want to do. That's but mm-hmm. you know, as you as you mentioned with with that great scene with the doors open, because the one main townsperson who's played by uh, Wilhelm, what's his name, Wilhelm von Hamburg, yeah, v- Hamburg, v- yeah. yeah, Vigor the Carpathian. You know, he's yeah. he's there and he's like, oh, Kane, you, know, you you took my boy on back, but the doors flicker open. You see the boy, and then all of a sudden he's gone, and Sutter Kane and all of his in, in all of his glory standing there, just like hands folded. As the doors open, close, open, close, and then boom, you no, know, they seal shut, mm-hmm. and then like that's pretty much it. But can't it, for being the primary antagonist in this movie, you really don't see a whole lot of Sutter Kane. You really don't, no. And I think that's <clears throat> the point, and that's the point because he's the whole movie is essentially the book that he's writing, which is also called In the Mouth of Madness. Mm-hmm. So playing into that, playing into that meta. Um, theme that's going on through this movie. So you only see him. I think he's got maybe a total like seven or eight minutes of screen time, if that. And that's a ge- that's a very generous guess. Mm-hmm. But you know, once once Style starts realizing that she's like a character in this book, she goes and sees Kane, and he basically explains everything to her. It's, you know, I've been, you know, he basically tells her I've been, I've been told how it all ends and I'm being tasked with putting it all to paper. And you, you don't see what's going on. You know, there's a door and there's the doors pulsating and, and t- in typical horror fashion, we don't see what's behind that door until later in the movie, which for me was kind of a letdown because you, because you kind of showed me what was behind the curtain and it yeah. didn't really do much. Didn't really do much for me. Yeah. Like, like later in the movie, when, when John Trench trying to leave the town and he realizes, fuck, well, I'm not going to leave this town. So he ends up driving to the church and he sees Sutter Kane. He's like, oh, so you're here because I've written you here. You know, your job is to take this, you know, your, your job is to take this book back to town or, mm-hmm. or back to civilization. So that way it can be spread to the masses to, you know, essentially bring about the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And this, that, but then, you know, like the door starts pulsating and like Sutter Kane like pulls his, face back which has the last time we see him 
and it basically looks like a hole has been ripped in the pages. And then we see really... him on the bus again. Oh yes, yes, that's right. He's on the bus when he calls himself God. Um, but you know the like the it looks like it, it's a really good effect where it just looks like yeah. a hole is opened up in the book, and then yeah, you know, that's when like it's like a bunch of monsters, like like very Lovecraftian monsters that come out. And I, mm-hmm. that's the one thing I didn't really like. I was like, ah, like it was a buildup and it's just these, you know, yeah, we did get to see the, the creature and the thing and we got to see the infected people in Prince of Darkness, but yeah, it's don't, don't show me everything. Mm-hmm. But this was at a time when the horror movies were coming out where like, if you didn't show everything, people were pissed like yeah. to high heaven. Oh, yeah. And it only further and it only furthered along later, like five years later, when Blair Witch Project comes out, and we saw nothing at all, and people mm-hmm. were pissed because they couldn't understand like the mood and the ambiance, and the, it, it's all about what you don't see that's frightening. Mm-hmm. Now that they kind of showed us, it's like, ah, eh, this doesn't really do anything for me. But you know, he ends up, you know, he ends up outside of Hobbs End. He drops the he drops the manuscript like several times. He drops it in the street and just kind of goes on. He goes to a motel. The manuscript gets sent back to him at this motel, and he's like, "Who who sent this? I didn't, you know, nobody knows I'm here." Yeah, you know, because he's still refusing to accept that he is a character in this book, mm-hmm. and he ends up burning that manuscript in the sink. So it was, you know, it's it's gone. So it was about time he ends up getting back town, talking to Jackson Harglow, who is who is like the the head publisher for Arcane Publishing, uh, for 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 Sutter Kane's books, and he talks about his editor. He's like, "No, I didn't send a woman with you. You went by yourself, and and you came back six months ago with the with the book, and it's you know it's it, it's been out for two months already. Mm-hmm. You know, it sold X amount copies, and like the movie is due to come out. You know, so he has no idea all this is going on, and we're just kind of in it with him. Like, yeah, like he's he's done any of this." But then everything starts to kind of fall into place, and you're like, "Oh, like he's committed himself to this psychiatric hospital, just to kind of get away from everybody else." Well, not really commit himself. He kills somebody outside of a bookshop, mm-hmm. and yeah, because you know, cause, you know th- th- there's lines for days outside these book outside these bookshops trying to buy in the mouth of madness. Because you know, the the more it's read, the more it spreads. Like this virus spreads to everybody, you know. And for those who don't read the book, you know, hey, good news is a movie coming out. Mm-hmm. So you know it's gonna it, it's gonna spread regardless, and he's in this, you know he and he even says when he's inside the asylum, you know if I'm in here I'm safe, you know I'm safe from all of it. You know he didn't he doesn't read the book or anything because he doesn't want to believe that what's happening is what's happening. He thinks you know I think therefore I am, so there's no, you know, I'm a real person. I'm not a character in this book, mm-hmm. and that actually apply if you guys are following us on Instagram, you saw my vague hint that went up is the black crayon. That's what he asks for when he gets committed. It's the only thing he asks for is a black crayon because that's what he uses to draw the crosses, like on mm. his face and on his attire and on the inside walls of his uh, of his asylum room. Mm-hmm. So, if you picked up on that, good. If you didn't, fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> I said these hints were going to be vague. I said they were going to be easy. Only the first one was easy. So mm-hmm. if you if you said we're doing something, you saw the woods. Your guess would have only been uh, Friday the Thirteenth or Evil Dead. So. If you got one of those, you're good. But nobody ever responds to him, so eh, whatever. Um, but it isn't until at the end of the movie when he goes to see the movie and sees that it's like in the mouth of madness starring John Trent. And he's like, like what? So then he goes and he watches the movie, and it's everything that's already happened. When he goes yep. to see the movie, it basically takes us right back to the beginning of the movie. So 
as we get to the end here, we realize that what we're watching is the movie based off the book, like the entire time. And it's just one big loop. Mm-hmm. And in 94, that was, or, or 95, that was probably a little too much thought process for Americans or for people in general. It's like, oh, I, don't want, I don't want to think this much watching a, a horror movie. So it's, that's probably why it didn't really do that well at the box office. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously he cast Samuel Bank. I mean, he's fresh off the hills of Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. but Jurassic Park didn't make all that money because of Sam Neill. And I'm, I'm not taking a shot at Sam Neill, but that movie didn't make all that money based off the acting. Was, the movie made all that money based off the fact that there were dinosaurs and the effects were fucking primo. Yes, still so, are. They still are. Still hold up 30 years later. It's mm-hmm. it's fucking wild to me. But I, I, I mean, I think that's why this movie didn't really make that much. It's just because we weren't ready for that. This movie comes out now. And holy shit. Yeah, this movie is making, you know, especially if it's made for $8 million. Yeah. It's making, it, I mean, it'll probably, I mean, it's a, it's a horror movie, really. You know, horror movies are kind of dime a dozen nowadays. But you figure after this thing comes out now, it's it's topping off at least like 70, maybe $80 million at the box office mm-hmm. and then and a run. It's it's rare for a horror movie to do over 100K nowadays. It really is. Especially when they come out now and they're, and they're almost immediately released, almost immediately released to streaming. Mm-hmm. So you know you're really kind of fighting that the whole time. You really are, yeah. But, yeah. So I mean, that's why do you think that this movie kind of under? I don't want to say kind of. It did. I mean, it, it underperformed. Why do you think it underperformed? Do you think we we weren't ready for that yet, or do you think there was just because this movie wasn't essentially like a died in the wool slasher movie? It was like like nobody really knew how to market it. Probably that. I mean, the the horror 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 was kind of changing into a weird. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna coin a phrase I'm making up right now, mm-hmm. a weird uh, Dawsonian Creek type uh, uh, horror movies. Um, I mean, look lo- look at a lot of horror movies that kind of came out in the '90s. I mean. You know, I, I like the first Scream movie, but I, I, I don't think it's got an incredible production value to it. It feels like a 90s teen TV show, yeah. as does uh, Halloween H2O. And I know what you did last summer. All those types of movies. They they just they don't I don't know. There's something to miss about them. Yeah. You know, good, yeah. good, bad, good, bad or, or, or indifferent about them. Just there. There's something different about them. This feels like a movie. This, yeah. you know, even for as cheaply as it made, it doesn't feel like it was shot on a studio. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't feel like a made-for-TV movie. It feels like a John Carpenter film. It's got the music. It's got the, excuse me, you know, the things in the background that just kind of make you go, what the fuck was that? You know, like in Halloween. That's why Halloween's so great because mm-hmm. you'll be seeing two people talk and then there's Michael Myers driving in the car behind, you know, Sheriff Brackett talking to uh, Lori, you know, Lori and Annie, you know? It's just yeah. like... <clears throat> I mean, like and, and, the, and, and you feel like that, this was a kind of a weird time for horror, like in between 1990 and 1995. Um, cause you figure Scream was 96. I know you did last summer was like 97. Scream 2 was, I think Scream 2 was 97 or was 98. You had Urban Legend that came out like, oh, yeah. I think like, like 98, 99. You know, it's Scream 3. And then I still know what you did last summer. It was like a, a very, like, like once Scream came out, there was a very 
staunch formula that people went with. It was like, yes. let's get young. I mean, I mean, it worked in the eighties too. You know, for, for slasher genre, sure. it was like kind of like a resurgence of the slasher genre. But you know, it's, let's get young, pretty people and have them cut up and killed. You know, to make it, Absolutely. but also, but also you you throw you know a good soundtrack behind it because you know all those movies you had you know a random song kind of popping up here we're like oh like i know that you know it's like 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 very 90s aesthetic i mean you figure in between 1990 95 yeah yeah what silence of the lambs yeah new nightmare yeah this i mean i can't really think of too many horror movies that came out within that time that really stand out that weren't the ones that i just mentioned so i think I think when Silence of the Lambs came out in 1990, it kind of shifted the horror genre away from slashers mm. and into like your psychological, you know, I got to think while I'm watching this kind of movie. Yeah. So, which I mean, and, and then seven came out in 95 also, but seven's yes. something a little different. That's yeah. a, well, that's great. a, that's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, do you do you have a favorite scene? And it's probably the same scene that's my favorite scene. When you first meet Sutter Kane and Sutter Kane's debut, it. one of the greatest fucking debut, like, <laughs> not even in horror history, in movie history. I, I mean, that's not my favorite scene, but um, I had to say it. I mean, it's my, mine. <laughs> my favorite scene is when they're driving to Hobbs End, and they pass, and and he's asleep, and she's driving, and they pass the kid on the bike. And then they pass him again, and then she hits him. That is just pure carpenter, mm-hmm. pure carpenter. Um, that is, it, it's so subtle, but that's why I love John Carpenter. That's why I think he's the greatest horror director of all time. It's subtlety because you're driving. Think about it, okay? Theater of the mind, like Dave McRae always says. You're driving down the road. You see this guy riding a bike. You're like, oh, what the hell? And then the same dude, but fucking at 80 years old, rides past you. You're like, what the fuck? And then he shows up in front of you. You smack him with your car. That It's all about the ninja, ninjing your brain. And it's so simple and so subtle. But it's just like, damn, that is kind of chilling to see that. And then We've all been down that dark, lonely road at night with no other cars on the road. We've all been there. Absolutely. If you grew up where I grew up, the streetlights were few and far between. So those roads were mm-hmm. dark regardless. Yeah. Uh, especially Ranger, that road that connects Cookstown and the Browns mm-hmm. Mills. Now, for, for those of you that live in Jersey, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That road has no streetlights. And yeah. it's just a dark Well, it might now. I haven't been down it in, you know, a, a few years. Mm-hmm. But, well, I haven't been down it at night in a few years. I was down yeah. it, you know, for, for, for other reasons. But it's... um. It's a, just a dark fucking road with woods on both sides because because mm-hmm. you're you're basically driving on the outskirts of four decks, mm-hmm. um, but it's and later and, and in in that same scene when they're checking on him after they ran him over, you know she gets up and looks back at Trent and the guy rides by again. It's like he was just there. Yeah, when he you gets know, up the, and he's looking at her, she fre- he freaks her out, and yeah. then he just gets on the bike and rides away. It's yeah. just it's so good. It's so carpenter. It's so yeah. perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is what's your favorite scene? Actually, the uh, yeah, Sarah Kane's debut because it's fucking because it's chilling and you're not yeah. expecting it. It's awesome. You just too. see the doors open and closing, and it's just a kid, and all of a sudden, boom, Jugger Proc now with his with his John Deacon hair. Yeah, I really don't have a least favorite scene. I th- yeah, I think the ending is a little cheap, cheesy, you know, with the monsters. But 
I don't really have a least favorite movie. That was like the least favorite scene. Like that was the one thing I really didn't like was just, you know, all like those like gooey monsters coming out. It's like, this is the only time you see them. Like, you'd be like, I mean, you get like little nods here, there where you see the tentacles, but then when you see them, it's just like, "Eh, I didn't need to see them. You could have just had like, you, you, you could have had just a POV cam shot um, following uh, John Trent as he's walking down that tunnel. You could have just had that and then just let, let me think what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's tentacles. Let me go from there. Let me think it's Cthulhu or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let let me figure it out. Don't don't show me the beast. I mean, that's Carpenter's go-to was just you know letting you think of what it is. I mean, yeah. we didn't really get that thing, but the thing we never saw what that actually looked like. Yeah, we only saw it when it had and it's, uh, and it's pure form. We always saw it yeah. when it had somebody else's DNA involved with it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, my least favorite. And, and there were a couple points of the dialogue where I thought were just kind of eh. Like when he's in the when he's at the motel and he's got the one guy by the collar and he's like, "Who know who dropped this off? You know who who says like, oh, I didn't see anything." And then like the big guy comes out and goes, "I was here all night. I didn't see anything." And it's just some yeah. guy who's just a lot taller and he's just like, "Oh." And then the scene ends. I'm like, "What?" It should have been John Carpenter coming going, "Father, can I get paid?" Jesus fucking Christ, that would have been great. That would have been great. What do you give it out of ten? Uh, I'm gonna go seven and a half out of ten. Not the best car, not the best Carpenter movie, but a really good underrated film that I enjoy, but could have done without a you know those things I mentioned. Maybe maybe tighten up the dialogue a little bit, and just let Samuel have his fucking Australian accent. Stop letting him be American, and then he drifts into it and then back out of it. That's like when Tommy Lee Jones was. Being fucking Irish and blown away, just kept oh, drifting God. in and out of it, or or, uh, or Jeff or or Jeff Bridges. I'm gonna go eight and a half. Nice, nice. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Um, but that was into the mouth of madness, everybody. Uh, I believe it's in the mouth of madness. I think we've been calling it. Did into I say the into mouth the mouth of madness? of madness? Yeah, it's in the mouth uh, of madness. Yeah, I think I I, th- I think we're I, I think it's like a Mandela effect that we just assume that it's into. Uh, but it's maybe. really just in the mouth. It's of in madness. the mouth of madness, yeah. Yeah. So that that was that. Um, that's uh, this is part two of the incredible six 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 weeks of horror. Uh, part three will be ne- three and four will be next week, as is always. Um, and we'll see you then, everybody. I've been Dean Holtzapple. I'm still George Rogers. We'll see you in the horrorverse. Also, make sure you like, subscribe, share. Tell tell, tell your friends. They'll tell two friends. That's like eight people right there. Yeah. And they'll tell two friends, and, and they'll, they'll tell two, two friends, 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 and they'll tell two friends, and so on, and so on. And so on. And so on All right. So on. All right. Bye. Good night. Goodbye. 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 Beep, beep, boop, beep. Goodbye. Goodbye.